Hey, Hershey Free, I too want to say good morning and Merry Christmas to you. My name is George Davis, and from my house to your house, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. You know, it's Christmas morning, and for me, there, there are all sorts of memories associated with Christmas mornings. I don't know how about you, but when, when I was a kid, I just loved the excitement of getting up and opening gifts. I even remember one Christmas where I spent much of, of Christmas morning camping out besides my parents' uh, bedroom door because I was so excited about getting up. And then years later, as a dad with three young kids, I had the opportunity to watch them go through that same level of excitement with wrapping paper and packaging all over the living room as we tore through Christmas gifts. Now this year for us as a family, we're, we're creating new and different memories because this is the first year that uh, we welcome our daughter-in-law into our family. So we get to celebrate with my son Paul and his wife Amy as they celebrate their first Christmas together. So for us, many memories associated with Christmas morning. And of course, in addition to those memories, there, there are all sorts of traditions and rhythms that we associate with the season. Most likely over the last few weeks, there have been things you've been looking forward to, things that you've enjoyed during the holiday season. Everything from music to food to recipes to things you do as a family to, to even getting out and seeing Christmas lights. And, and there's this sense of expectation that comes with us every Christmas season. Now, as you think about the memories we have of Christmas, as you think about the expectations that we bring into the Christmas season, all of these things really tap into a theme that is very deeply rooted in the Christmas story. And that theme is the theme of hope. Whether you've thought about it recently or not, Christmas is, is really a season that reminds us of the importance of hope. Now, I need to be honest. I realize even as I talk about wonderful Christmas experiences, I realize for some of us, maybe this isn't a particularly great Christmas season. In fact, maybe for you, this is, this is a pretty difficult day. Perhaps this has been a season or year of loss for you. You've, you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. Your, your health has become more complicated. And, and maybe you would acknowledge right now, I, I just feel stuck. And, and for you, part of the challenge of, of experiencing Christmas this year is just it's, it's hard to find hope. So wherever you're at and how you're engaging this Christmas season, I hope you understand that the message of Christmas reminds us of the importance of hope. One author has said this, that we are hope-shaped creatures, and the way we live now is completely controlled by what we believe about our future. Maybe I can restate that this way. Think about the importance of hope along these lines. The quality of your life is related to the reality of your hope. Let me restate that. The, the quality of your life right now is re related to the reality of your hope. Whether you realize it or not, right now, how you live life is, is being shaped and influenced by your sense of hope. How you engage your relationships. Some of us are going to back to work tomorrow after Christmas and, and how you engage those responsibilities. For those of you who are students, how you go back to school after the Christmas break. And in different ways, all of these experiences are, are being shaped by our sense of hope. So that leads to a couple of questions I want to ask you this morning. Here they are. What are you hoping for? Or let me restate that. 
What are you waiting for? Think about those questions for a moment. I realize some of us after, after this service, maybe we're going to share a meal together with friends or family. So this could be a conversation starter for you as you celebrate Christmas this year. Just go around the table and just answer this question. So what are, what are you hoping for? And take some time to talk about the things right now that, that in your life give you a sense of hope, things that help you move forward, things, things that really help motivate you as you move into the new year. But remember, as you think about all those different things that give us hope, remember that embedded in the Christmas story is the ultimate offer of hope. Because this story reveals the truth that through Jesus, God is fulfilling his promises. Through Jesus, God is fulfilling his promises to give us new life, to give us forgiveness, to give us wholeness and restoration. And we can can live in these promises. We can experience them as we put our faith, our trust in him. Now, as we think about the hope of Christmas, what I want to do this morning is just briefly look at the experience of two people in the Christmas story who experienced hope in in some surprising and unusual ways. A moment ago, uh, you had read for you that familiar Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, and I I want to rewind the, the, the narrative a little bit and go back to two scenes that occur right before Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. In Luke chapter 1, we find the first scene, and in Luke chapter 1, we're introduced to a man by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest, and and if I could summarize Zechariah's life really with one word, it would be this. It would be the word waiting. Zechariah spent his life waiting. So he was a priest. He was familiar with all the stories of Israel's history. He could recount them, the, the, the stories of, you know, the great kings of Israel's history, like Solomon and David. He knew, he knew all the highlights of Israel's history and tradition. But at this time, all those glory days just seemed like distant memories, Because for him, day after day, he would go through the the responsibilities of fulfilling his priestly duties and knowing that someday God was supposed to use Israel in a mighty way. Yet also day after day, he had to deal with the reality that his country was just one more territory that had been gobbled up by the Roman Empire. So he waits, he waits. And, and this waiting wasn't simply vocational. It wasn't simply about him waiting as a priest. It was also deeply personal because we were told he and his wife had also waited for a baby, but she never became pregnant. And we get, we get the sense that they had been praying for years and years to have a child and nothing had happened. And, and now they were old and that, that window had closed. As a result, there was, I think, disappointment. There was also a sense of disgrace because in that setting, the fact that they couldn't have a child raised questions in the minds of other people. Other people would look at them and wonder, what did they do to disobey God that they're not able to have a baby? So Zachariah and his wife dealt not only with their own disappointment, but also with this sense of disgrace based on how others were interpreting their situation. Nonetheless, they're they're really described as faithful people. So as the story unfolds, it it comes Zechariah's day to go into the temple to offer incense. So here's this guy whose life has involved so much waiting, day after day, going into the temple. 
And, and as you think about him going into the temple on this day, perhaps there's a, there's a, a way in which you can relate to his story. Perhaps right now there's a sense in which you feel like, you know what, I've been waiting and waiting as well. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and there's this issue in your life you've been praying about. Even throughout this year, something related to a family member, something related to your health, something about a relationship and something about your job. And it feels like I just pray and I'm waiting and waiting and nothing happens. And if if that's where you're at, you can really relate to Zachariah in this story. So it's his day to serve in the temple. So he goes into the temple, but this day will be unlike any other day. Because on this day, he encounters an angel. And listen to these words from Luke chapter one. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. So as it turns out, they are going to have a baby. He will be known as as John the Baptist, the one who comes announcing the arrival of Jesus. And as you think about the scene in the temple, it's almost like the angel is, is telling Zachariah, look, I know you've been waiting. I know day after day, month after month, year after year, it feels like nothing has been happening. But God has actually been at work in ways you don't fully understand, ways you don't fully comprehend. And of course, the the lesson that Zechariah had to learn was this. God's silence did not mean that God was absent. God's silence did not mean that he was absent. And and for Zechariah, that was the surprising hope of Christmas. Of course, this isn't the only unexpected pregnancy in in the Christmas story, because you you know what? We we read further and we come to Mary, right? And, and, And when we come to Mary, here's really what is surprising about her experience of hope. Mary has to understand that she can live in hope even when life gets complicated. So again, listen to these words from Luke chapter one. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, you're familiar with the story, but just for a moment, slow down and engage the story from Mary's perspective. Remember, She's in an engagement. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. And in in this context, that's a very serious commitment. In fact, an engagement could only be broken by going through a divorce proceeding in this cultural context. So she's engaged, but she's not married yet, and she's pregnant. From her perspective, 
her life has just gotten very complicated because she, she's now open to charges of adultery. She, she knows she's going to be viewed as a woman who is unfaithful. Maybe she'll even be viewed as a prostitute. She also knows that Joseph at this point will probably divorce her. And as we read in the scriptures, that was Joseph's first response when he heard she was pregnant. So now she faces this possibility of being single, alone, raising a child. And she realizes that she may be this woman raising a child in a community that ultimately shuns her. How is she going to make sense of that? How is she going to move forward in those circumstances? I mean, this is amazing news that she's hearing, but if she lets her mind run wild, it may actually feel like at this moment that her life is over. (laughs) You know, I, I think there's a certain irony here when you think about it. Because let's be honest, Christmas is the season we all want to go perfectly well, right? This is the, this is the season we want everything to fall into place. Maybe some of you, you, you do family Christmas pictures and you're a kid and you know, I get tired. I got to always wear this itchy sweater and we got to look straight. My hair has to be combed. It's the only time of the year we do this and it's annoying, but this is just part of what we do. We get the perfect Christmas picture. Some of you even now are saying, okay, George, hurry up, hurry up, because we've got, we got to get dinner on the table. We've got to eat just at the right time, so please come on, wrap it up. I get that. I get that. This is the season in which we want everything to go perfectly well. This is the season we want to come right out of a Hallmark movie. And yet, even as we celebrate Christmas, we're, we're celebrating a story where a woman at the heart of the story has just had her life completely turned upside down. Her life has become absolutely complicated, as complicated as it could be. And I think for Mary, the lesson that she has to learn is this. God can be at work even when life gets complicated. You can experience God's hope even in complicated situations. And ultimately, the promise the invitation of Mary's experience comes as the angel concludes his announcement to her because he says this. This is Luke 1, verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, that that term blessed is linked to the idea of, of flourishing, of living life well. And here's what she's learning at this moment. She's learning, you know what? I've entered a situation that is really complicated. A moment where I can be overwhelmed by all sorts of what if questions. But it's it's also a moment where I can flourish if I learn to live in light of God's promises. And really this statement from the angel is a statement that communicates this idea. Blessed is the one who learns to live in hope. So here are two people who in surprising and unexpected ways have experienced the hope of Christmas. They've witnessed the truth that God can be at work even when it feels like he's not doing anything at all. They witnessed the truth that that God can be at work even when life is complicated. In different ways, they are experiencing the hope rooted in the life and work of Jesus Christ, the hope that is at the core of the story of Christmas. So, 
How about you? Do you know this hope? If not, do you realize this could be the day where you learn to live in light of it as you commit your life to Jesus Christ? Furthermore, if, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, are, are you living in light of this hope right now? Are you living in light of the fact that God will be faithful in fulfilling his promises? However you would describe your situation this Christmas morning, it's really my prayer for you today that you could be encouraged and equipped by the hope rooted at the heart of Christmas. So I want to ask you again, what are you hoping for? What are you waiting for? Let's pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together on this Christmas morning to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the one who has come to fulfill your promises. Father, I pray in whatever our Christmas day looks like as our day continues, that we would be reminded that foundational to this story is the reality of hope, the hope that only you can give the hope of forgiveness, of new life, of transformation. So this Christmas day, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, and we thank you for the hope that he brings. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.